Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Top Stories, the show in which we bring you the top story in the world, years after it happened. Uh, Specifically today, well, 15 years after it happened, we're going back to June 2008 in the Bugle archives, and President George W. Bush was very generously gracing Europe with his presence. He did an interview with the Times newspaper, our sister publication at the time, and voiced a regret that maybe some felt didn't quite account for all of his behaviour during eight years at the White House. Here I am with John Oliver. President Bush's European vacation news. And uh, President Bush has been in Europe for most of the last week as his presidency approaches its last six months. Uh, And this is a time for reflection, Andy. It's the same... For any of us, when we come to the end of any job we've been involved in, we look back at what we've done, what we leave behind us, how many pens we've stolen. It's just the same for US presidents. For Jimmy Carter, it was 15,000 pens. (laughs) It's just as well he only had one term. They'd have had to dip into the National Stationery Reserve. (laughs) And if uh, any British listeners are wondering why their BBC licence fee keeps going up, it is because John and I did once have a job on a BBC show. All I'm saying is we've, we've never actually had to buy a pen since... And the Times newspaper interviewed President 43 on uh, Air Force One when, incidentally, he was wearing a flight jacket with his name on and (coughs) carrying a mug which had POTUS written on it. He was drinking from a President of the United States mug. That that (laughs) might actually seem charming if a different President had done it, or if he'd been a better President. As it is, it is just inexplicably infuriating. Uh, yes, yeah, speaking to the Times on board Air Force One on his way to Ljubljana, the Slovenian capital and three-time winner of Europe's sauciest-sounding city title, <laughs> Ljubljana. Bush said that he now aims to leave his successor a legacy of international diplomacy for tackling Iran. Now, John, he's done this in three very clever and easy steps. Uh, step one, tie up almost the entire US military into intractable conflicts. <laughs> step two, set fire to and then watch a spectacular bonfire of bridges burning between America and any putative allies for a potential non-diplomatic tackle on Iran. And step three, buy an atlas and check just how big Iran is. So, mission accomplished. 
In the newspaper, he expressed regret at the rhetoric that is used around the war in Iraq. The rhetoric, Andy. That is his first and his only regret. <laughs> it seems that this is as close to accountability as we're going to get. So enjoy it while it lasts, because it seems like it's already over. He defended these warmongering claims again from a group of German reporters. And, Andy, when you are defending yourself against charges of warmongering from a group of Germans... <laughs> You know that you have sashayed over the line. <laughs> so the rhetoric is his regret, and he, uh, Bush doesn't regret the gift that he has given the world, merely the wrapping paper he chose to cover <laughs> it in. He said he regrets moments such as when asked about the insurgents in Iraq, and he said, bring them on, which sounds more like a 12-year-old screaming into his Halo 3 headset than it does the leader of the free world. He was worried about this and phrases such as wanting Bin Laden dead or alive indicated to people that, and I quote, I was not, you know, a man of peace. <laughs> and I don't think he need worry too much there, Andy. People have not judged him on those words. They've judged him primarily on his actions, which have transcended words. <laughs> He's been like a violent Marcel Marceau, communicating to the world through the international language of kaboom. <laughs> uh, so, so the epiphany that he has managed to reach in this time, seemingly, is that we're all too stupid to understand what he actually meant through these actions. That is the epiphany he's come to in front of the eyes of the world. To essentially claim that we are too moronic to understand what he meant is brave, Andy. In fact, <laughs> it's more than that. It's double brave. <laughs> and to go even further and then to immediately forgive the entire planet for our stupidity is so selfless. It, it's Christ-like, Andy. In fact... It's more than that. It's, it's double Christ-like. Well, he's very like Christ in a number of other ways, John. Uh, for example, he's been an extremely divisive figure in the Middle East. That's, that's quite like Jesus. <laughs> it's true. It all racks up. Now, what he's looking for, really, is that single oratorial sentence which will explain to all of us how fantastic these last eight years have actually been. A pithy slogan to get us to see his presidency through his eyes. And whilst he singly failed to find that elusive open sesame sentence, surely now is the time he finally has a deadline. If anything, he's had too long to come up with it so far. There's nothing like a deadline to focus your mind. Jack Kerouac wrote on the road in three weeks, Andy, don't tell me this administration can't come up with one sentence in almost ten times as long. <laughs> And Andy, you know the phrase that if you gave an infinite number of monkeys an infinite number of typewriters, they'd eventually write the complete works of Shakespeare? Well, this Bush administration has 350 monkeys in a room and seven months to hope they come up with that magical phrase. It's worth rolling the dice. They've got nothing to lose. Well, my personal experiments with monkeys and typewriters lead me to believe that they're much more likely to write something about a recipe for banana custard. So, let's look at his legacy now, Andy. I mean, much like... We look at the legacy that a horse leaves behind it in its stable <laughs> after a fibre-based meal. I mean, it, is the world safer than it was before? I mean, uh, probably not. I think it's, uh, it's probably 0% safer. <laughs> right. That's right. To put, it, to put it nicely. Yeah, let's put but it But to be fair, that's not entirely his fault. And we in Britain are not helping. This last week, a serious security breach took place after it emerged that a civil servant mistakenly left some top-secret documents containing the latest intelligence on Al-Qaeda on the seat of a train. And, <laughs> no, first off, you really should not be reading that on a train. <laughs> oh, I don't know, John. I'm not, I disagree with that completely. I think it shows that our civil servants are so committed to fighting terror that they are willing to take their anti-terror work home with them. 
They're not just going to clock off at five o'clock and think, oh, I've done, I've done my eight hours anti-terror work today. I'm going to take this home. And I feel safer, John, knowing that instead of being left in the in-tray for another day, my civil servant is prepared to take his file home with him and bust a terror cell by skim-reading the files whilst watching the football in the background and having a beer. If I concede that point, what you need to concede is the fact that we all read over each other's shoulders <laughs> on the train, especially if the person next to you has a newspaper with an interesting-looking story, let alone if they have a document in front of them titled Joint Intelligence Report, <laughs> Al-Qaeda's Constraints and Vulnerabilities, Top Secret. <laughs> also, if you have a document like that on your person, take a cab home, <laughs> treat yourself, bill it to the taxpayer, we'll be happy to pony up if it means that you're not putting our lives in danger. Well, I think you're being a bit harsh on the guy, John, because, let's face it, I mean, we've all done it, haven't we? We've all left top-secret anti-terrorist documents on trains. When only last week I was on a train and I left a newspaper that had details of the trial of the 21st of July bombers in it. And I just hope it didn't fall into the wrong hands. But this wouldn't be quite so bad, Andy, if it wasn't isolated incident. A Ministry of Defence laptop was stolen in April from a McDonald's. From a McDonald's, Andy! <laughs> Do, do you really feel safer knowing that Britain's <laughs> finest military agents are spending their lunch times ordering McChicken Mega Meals? Because well, I don't. I do feel safer. I safe. don't. I no, do well, I don't. I don't feel safer. I wouldn't want them taking a you know Italian-style three-hour lunch. They're busy people. Go to McDonald's, get your lunch, in and out of you in three minutes. A passenger had spotted this envelope containing the files and gave it uh, to the BBC, and the BBC subsequently handed it to the police. And uh, the BBC apparently actually mistook these papers at first glance for a pitch for a primetime reality TV game show in which ordinary members of the public have to plan and carry out a terror attack in front of a live studio audience and a judging panel featuring top terrorists from the 1980s. Other news in the war on terror now, and there is great news of a big win for Britain. Sadly, it is against the United States, <laughs> who are... Technically on our side. <laughs> An RAF fighter pilot has won a legal battle with the US Air Force in Afghanistan over the size of his handlebar moustache, <laughs> which is big, Andy. <laughs> it is a beauty. <laughs> it is a beauty. British military hero Flight Lieutenant Chris Ball, who is on an exchange posting with the US Air Force, was told to trim his moustache. What? <laughs> it is absolutely... Appalling. He refused. How dare you, Yanks? How dare you? Britain stood by him on the grounds that we conquered the world when we had massive moustaches. Our national decline in Britain coincided almost exactly with the time that we started to have second thoughts about industrial-level facial topiary. Here, here. All our power was contained in that facial <laughs> furniture, Andy. We were like upper lip Samsons. Well, I cannot we should never have shaved it off. <laughs> I cannot see, John, how it can be possible as a fighter pilot to have a moustache that is too big. Unless it is so big that it smashes the cockpit window and starts interfering with the aerodynamics of your aircraft. Now, I've never grown a moustache, John. I've been banned from doing so by genetics. But it must make you feel pretty close to invincible to be able to twitch some impressive whiskers before muttering, well, 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 we appear to have a situation. I'm terribly <laughs> sorry, Fritz, but you're going to have to lose this one, old chap. <laughs> In fact, I'd go further than this, John. I think there should be a minimum moustache size for all yes. fighter pilots. Yes, 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 yes. Navigators can have something a little more refined, kind of Errol Flynn style, but the pilots should be able to bristle their way into combat. 
Well, that was 2008. If you want to find out what's happening in the world now in 2023, listen to the latest episode of The Bugle at thebuglepodcast.com. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now.